As I mentioned last week, we'll take a, a break from uh, from First Corinthians for a while, as as we're into November and and gearing into Thanksgiving season, and and even as you uh, walk through any store, as we go to Walmart or wherever, you you see all the Halloween costumes and everything like that, and then right into all the Christmas decorations. And it launches the, the big annual debate again of, of can you decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving? And, and are you ignoring Thanksgiving if you do that? And, and I'm not going to try and settle that debate here. I know that, I know that there are those who, who feel strongly that no Christmas tree comes out, no Christmas music is played until the day after Thanksgiving. And there are those who say, well, Christmas is a very good thing to be thankful for. Not going to try and get into that. But we do see this, this idea in us that we, in general, as people, tend to be less thankful than we should, right? It's easy for us to, to even if we're overwhelmed by something, and, and feel incredible gratitude for it, it's not long before that, that gratitude becomes a sense of, of the normalcy of that thing to maybe even a sense of the entitlement of that to just ignoring it altogether. We as a people, we have a hard time being thankful. And that's, that's that sin nature in us. That, that is the way that, that this world is broken and it manifests itself in us. And so from time to time, we need those reminders to stop and to be thankful. And so as we've sung today, count your blessings. I want us to, to take some time to think about that as, as we come into this Thanksgiving season. A time for us to reflect on, on the many things that we do have to be thankful for. And we... We sat at Tubbs after the, that morning Bible study this week and, and just kind of catching up with some people there and talking. And, and Tuesday was, was when it got cold and some of the snow started coming in and, and you know, all the havoc that that wreaks, too, on, on plans. And, and just in talking with, with one of the guys there, he, he said, not a single mosquito out today. All right, you know that that's fair, and, and we we lose sight on different things, don't we? We we tend to focus on the things that that are in our way and things that we don't appreciate, and forget the the many things that we have to be thankful for. So today we're gonna we're gonna look at Psalm chapter ninety five. One of these psalms, the the, the psalms are are sort of this prayer book. For Israel, as the, the people of God were gathered, the, the Psalms were part of the way that God says, here is how you can worship. Psalm 95 is, is one of these Psalms that calls the people to worship, calls them to thanksgiving. And so we read Psalm chapter 95. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God 
and a great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth, and the peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he has made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you would hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who err in their heart, and they do not know my ways. Therefore I swore in my anger, truly they shall not enter into my rest. This psalm breaks itself down kind of naturally into two parts. The first part looking at at this, this invitation, this call to come and worship, this call to thanksgiving, this call to marvel at God. And then kind of there in the middle, it it makes this break and changes directions and reminds us what can happen when we lose sight of that. What what is it like when we don't thank God, when we don't praise Him? So let's take a look at that as, as we go through today. We see this incredible call to praise. Come, Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. As we we look at that, those first few words there, come let us sing, come let us shout, is this idea that that there's there's something to it. Even as it it says, come, there's this action. Get moving, get motivated. Let's talk about, let's show in our lives what God has done. And then as we look through that, we see some of these many things for which we can give thanks. Because sometimes we, we're, we're stuck, right? When we start trying to think about things that we can be thankful for, we, we're not sure where to start. And this psalm gives us places to start. That we can thank God first for who He is. Aside from anything else, we can just thank Him that He is God. And then it steps on from there and says, and we can thank Him for what He's done. For what we see Him doing just in general, in all of creation, and then even more specifically what He's done for us. Let's look at that. Thanking God for who He is and then for what He's done. Verse 3, after that that opening call to to come and to to enter with thanksgiving, verse 3 says, for the Lord is a great God. And a great king above all gods. And we need that reminder. Israel needed that reminder. We need that reminder today that the Lord, Yahweh, the God that we come together and worship, is a great God. Remember, great has, has different, different meanings to it, right? Right? As we even think of what great is, sometimes we think of, of great as, as a really positive thing that has happened. Something that, that is, is beautiful can be called great. And truly, God is that. He, he is wonderful to behold. Behold. 
He is, he is faithful beyond what, what we could ever imagine. But there's also that other side of great that, that is huge. The Great Wall of China. Right? It is not necessarily beautiful. But it was this huge thing. This huge undertaking for, for those who built it. And so great can also mean enormous, right? And God is that too. God is great in every sense of the word. That as we try and, and wrap our heads around one who is all-powerful, one who is all-knowing, one who is all-good, is all-present. Our, our limited minds, our finite minds can't actually get around that. Because everything that we know in life, everything that we experience, we know by its limits. You know when, when one person is stronger than another person or one team is stronger than another team because the limits get challenged and one's limit is higher than the other. And God has no limits and our minds can't fathom that. God is great. The Lord, our God, is a great God. And a great king, it says, above all gods. We get to see it in there, the, the capital G, God, and then the lowercase g, all the other gods, all the other idols, all the other things that get put into place. Those, those different idols in our lives that would vie for our attention, the, the different ones that would try and grab power and hold on to power, all those things are cast away behind the greatness of our king. And so we praise God first for who he is. We thank him for who he is. We, we can even let our minds try and, and understand that for a while until they hurt and we realize we just can't do it and we thank God for that. That he's so far beyond me that I can't even totally comprehend him and we thank him. Because our limits should never be able to enclose a limitless God, right? As the psalmist goes on in verses 4 and 5 to talk about the depths of the earth in his hand, the peaks of the mountains, the sea, and all the dry land. We, he uses that imagery to even look back to the greatness of God, but it also steps us into the next idea of, of thanking him not only for who he is, but let's start there to then thank him for what he has done. Because as the depths of the earth are in his hands, as, as the enormity of the mountains, and if you've ever been there, you'll think back to, to having been at the foot of the mountains or, or seen a sunrise from the mountains. And, and just the, the huge majesty of those things. And that's just, we, we stand there and we feel small ourselves, because rightly we are. And yet those things are incomparable to God. So as we think, not only about who he is, but also what he's done, we can look to creation. Verses 4 and 5 give us those things that we can look at. The depths of the earth, 
the peaks of the mountains, looking at the extremes there, the, the vastness of the sea and all the dry land. And we look at what he has created and we thank him for that. There is, there is that, that common grace. Common grace is, is named that because, as it says, he causes the sun to rise and set on the wicked and the just alike. That, that even being in this world and, and seeing the wonder of it, there is a grace that God is pouring out on the wicked and the righteous alike. Those who will follow him and those who won't get to see the same sunrise. And there is a wonder in that. And so we thank him for what he's done. Even as we talk about the depths of the earth, I can't help but think about planting and harvest. The idea that, that all that work and, and all that time and all that care that goes into this crop is all still just trusting that God is going to do what God does and make that seed to grow, to protect it from the heat, from the hail, from the many, many other things that we have, from the snow. The, this wonder that, that that seed breaks open and something grows from it. And, and it produces. All of this is, is the wonder of who God is and what he is doing. And we see that. And it gives us just another thing to say, God, you are an amazing God. Look at how you create. And we thank you. And so then we also thank him for what he has done for you and for me. We see who he is and we marvel. We see what he has done just in, in creation in general. And then we see what he's done for us. And we can look at, at a myriad of things. Thanking him for our family. Thanking him for, for the things through which he's brought us. But let us never forget, as we're looking at this, that verse 6, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God. And we are His people. Even beyond the, the things that we see Him doing in creation, and the displays of power and the displays of generosity and all these different things that we see him doing in creation. Even beyond the, the personal things that we see with, in the family that he's given us, in, in the, the wife or the husband or, or the friends that, that he's brought to us and the children that he's given us and these personal blessings that he has bestowed on us so far beyond what we could ask or imagine. We go deeper to say he is our God. He who created all things. He who is all-powerful, all-knowing, who is beyond my, my grasp and even my imagination, who is bigger than what I could ever imagine. He is my God. 
He has called you. He has given life to you and calls you to eternal life. There are some whose thankfulness to this point just stops with, I draw breath, I have life in this world. And that is an incredible thing to thank God for. But he also calls us to eternal life. He has made eternal life possible through his son. And if you haven't known that, if you haven't experienced that, if you haven't accepted that gift from him, then everything else is for naught. And to be sure, he is worthy of our praise because we draw breath. He is worthy of our praise because of of who he is alone. And he demonstrates it again and again from the grace that he pours out. But if you don't know him personally, if you don't have that assurance that he gives of eternal life, and all these glimpses that we see here, the wonder of a sunset, the majesty of the mountains, all these glimpses remain just glimpses and will all one day be ripped away. And so at the end of verse 7, he says, Today, if you would hear his voice, If you would hear from him, hear that call. That that call that that points out the sin in our life, that call that points out the brokenness, that that cry, even even a worldly person living in, in this world can at some point say it's so messed up. It shouldn't be like this, should it? And God is calling and saying, no, it shouldn't be like this. It wasn't designed to be like this. There is more. So today, he says at the end of verse 7, if you hear his voice, if you hear that call, do not harden your hearts. Do not turn away. We, we see this on on many levels. And on that level of life, on that level of salvation, of being saved from the brokenness, being saved from the sin, being saved from your own selfishness is so key. This is what it all comes down to. And if you have not accepted that from Jesus today, Please, please, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. But also, for those that have, 
for those that have heard his voice and accepted and said, thank you, Jesus, I, I accept that gift of salvation. I, I confess my sins. I confess my brokenness. I confess my selfishness and my rebellion, and, and I want nothing to do with it and have received from him the life that overcomes that. Even for us, there is still this, this possibility that we forget to be thankful that we forget to be grateful, that we forget to count our blessings. And that's the other side of, of what the psalmist turns to here. Is he says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in Meribah and in the day of Massa in the wilderness. And these are places, these, these are names of places that would take the Israelites back to that, that idea of being delivered from slavery to Egypt. We're going back to Moses, back to where the people had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years, crying out to God, have you forgotten us? Do you not remember us? What's going on? And God raises up Moses, and he empowers him miraculously to to stand before Pharaoh and speak for him, to show these wonders from God, and to empower, deliver his people from slavery. And these people who had seen those wonders, had seen God's power on display, had seen Pharaoh, the strongest man in the world, broken and say, fine, get out of here. They had experienced that deliverance. They should be the most grateful people ever, right? And they get out there in the wilderness, and and at that point, Pharaoh pulled himself back together, bucked up and said, no, we're going to go get them back. That that was all messed up. And so Pharaoh goes out and and now he's going to take the people back. And God intervenes again in power and separates the water. The people walk through the water as, as Pharaoh and his armies come through to try and reclaim them. They are destroyed by God. And these people see it and, and they proclaim God's goodness. And he has saved them from slavery. He has delivered them should be the most thankful people ever, right? But when the psalmist talks about Meribah and Massa, he brings the people in their minds back to these places where their ancestors, and if they think, there's probably a lot of me in that, their ancestors started grumbling, started complaining, Started instead of saying, this is incredible that God has delivered us and is sustaining us and and is raining down manna from heaven for us to eat. It is miraculously providing for us and caring for us and protecting us. Instead of seeing that, they say, manna again? Really? God can't mix it up a little bit? Can't give us something different? They start grumbling. Why, why do we have to keep following? Why, why, can't, why can't I be the leader? And they focus instead on the things that they're complaining about rather than the many, many, many things for which they can be thankful. Verse 9 says, When your fathers, those ones in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen my work. They had seen his power. They had seen his care. They had, they had experienced it. They had been there for it. And yet they turned. 
should have been the most thankful people in ever, right? The trouble is we forget too. We forget how we have been delivered from slavery. We forget how God has miraculously cared for and provided for and protected us. And we get ourselves focused on, I know he's protected maybe, but I wish he had protected in this way. We get focused on the, why can't I have, or why does this happen, or all these different things. And we forget that we have a multitude of things for which to be grateful. There was a, a study, a research study done where, where they were tracing neurological patterns in people and, and working it around gratitude and thankfulness and, and monitoring these things. And, and as people were reminded or, or experienced more thankfulness, they started seeing these different synapses firing in there and different things being built up. They, they actually started seeing physical changes in, in the brain makeup as these people were experiencing gratitude. It changed them. And, and then these neurological things that they're, that they're monitoring start manifesting themselves in their bodies as well. They start seeing these people who's, who are experiencing more gratitude then having a lower blood pressure a more constant pulse rate. They, they start seeing these things affect them physically to where they're sleeping better and, and they're experiencing things better. And there are all these, these studies and, and they look at this and it's, it always amazes me when we see these kinds of studies and people say, so look, you, you should spend some time meditating and, and thinking on things for which you're grateful. And, and you should spend some time expressing your gratitude because it does these good things, and here is a study to prove it. And so many times there's all this research and all these things that go in, and, and the, the conclusions, the results that come out, people of the Word say, well, yeah, that's what God's been telling us Forever. That, that's, what, that's what God says in the pages of his scripture. You know, the, the studies that, that come and, and say, we need to be more joyful and we need to, to meditate on, on some of those things. You say, well, in, at the end of First Thessalonians, Paul actually said that like this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love it when there are studies and, and scientific research and all that, that that come to this conclusion where we can say, yeah, it's just like God said. But we forget. And our ingratitude leads to rebellion. So as we come into this time of thanksgiving, I want us to focus on, on being thankful, on, on 
reflecting on those things. But, but more than that, I want us to come back to those first two verses of Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. And remind us that, that in those come is this idea of, of some movement. Something is happening. Let's get moving and remember what God has done. And not just so that we can sit and think about it and, and be pleased, but there it says joyfully shouting. Let's let it be heard. Let's let it be seen. Let us thank God for who He is and what He's done, and let's let people know about it. Because that, Paul says, is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. So, before you leave, I want you to get one of these. We've got a whole bunch of them. Be standing in back with us. Give thanks in all circumstances, it says. Starts today. And page by page goes until Thanksgiving Day. Every day. Starting today. Every day. I want you writing something in there for which you're thankful. Write. It can be one word of something. You can journal in there. There's not a whole lot of space for journaling, but if you want to journal in there, do that. If you want to just draw a picture of something for which you're thankful for, write. You can draw a picture. You can draw a picture on that of something you're thankful for every day starting today so that when you gather on Thanksgiving Day, you can look back at just just 10, 11 days of, of thankfulness. But you can look back and say, just in these 10 days, here are some things for which I'm thankful for. You guys can gather together and everybody shares something and it doesn't have to be that time around the table where you're like, um, thankful for these uh, mashed potatoes. They look really good. I gotta say something because if I don't say something, then we're not gonna eat. We'll have this time to reflect and to think about what God has done and we can share it and let it be known. God, I do thank you. Not nearly as much as I should. I, I, I take so much for granted. And so, God, thank you today for that reminder of how much we take for granted. Thank you today for, for that call to be thankful, to reflect on who you are and what you are doing and to give you praise, to kneel down in worship before you. God, I pray that you will be at work in us. You'll be reminding us of those many things for which we can be thankful and, and prompting us, pushing us to share those, to declare your goodness to those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.